0: Of stuck in 1989. That's why album's called One Welcome, everyone, to the Juggalo Rewind, your favorite Juggalo podcast, where we deep dive into your favorite Juggalo albums track by track. But we're not doing that this week. We are having a very special event for you. My name is Peter. I'm not here with Chris yet. You will hear from him very soon. We are talking to a very special guest. His name, Mike P, a.k.a. Mike Peasy. Peasy Weasy, known as the guitarist for Zug Island, also known as the producer extraordinaire of psychopathic records of the early 2000s and continuing on even to this day. We talked to Mike specifically because... If you are a loyal listener and have listened to all of our seasons, you know that his fingerprints are on numerous albums that we've talked about. He had a giant part in season two's Tales from the Lotus pod. He was an integral part of season three's Wizard of the Hood. And right now we are talking about One Less G in the Hood by Blaze Dead Homie, also with Mike's fingerprints all over him. So we thought it would be nice to finally get to talk to Mike and get some stories about where he came from, how he got into Psychopathic, and then news and notes from his memory about all three of those albums. And wouldn't you know, we talk about a whole lot of other nonsense too. Goes a little off the rails, but that's what we do here. So, sit back, relax, and listen to Myself and Chris talk to Mike Pay.
1: Mike P-O. Southern Rock for you. All right. Yeah, I mean the first thing I did was uh, I'm thinking take me home. And we talk Everybody about that song
0: all the time too, so that's that oh my god. <laughs> well, let's just jump right into it. Like we're gonna—I'm sure we're gonna bounce yeah. around, but uh, yeah. but before we get into the, um, you know, your background, yeah, talk about "Take Me Home" because we we can't just skip over that and come back to it. I
1: think "Take Me Home" was the first song I did for ICP. Before that, like, uh, I'm joking, Hold on. <laughs> and Jay and myself, we were always just uh, goofing around. So it started let me I'm going to jump back even further Two thousand the summer of 2000 I met them I met Alex I met Joe and they uh, they kind of gave me a blank check build us a studio okay and it took a long time like it took like six months and there were are were I wasn't swinging hammers there were dudes doing construction but I was putting all the gear together ordering stuff and um, and then trying to get it together in the studio it just that's really hard like, this, like all these little tiny wires, little connectors. Like there's a lot to it, you know? So we did that. And as soon as the studio was up and running, it was like January, right at the beginning of January, 2001, and ICP was going out for a long time on the Bizarre Bizarre Tour. Right. I think, I think me and Joe, by the way, we messed around with some things a little bit. And he's like, okay, just uh, record some things. Get some bands in here. He had a couple bands. He sent me Razor Ray's band. They were called. Is that, was that Harms Why? Harm's way. Yes. So we like sent them to me just, you know, record a bunch of things in here just to work out the bugs. Cool. So we did harm's way. Um, who else? Um, another thing, was it called Wolf or something like that? I can't remember another, like metal band. They were fun. And then, uh, and then one of my bands I took in there, it was called give. And then finally uh, they came back They were in and out on tours and they came back and I think we messed around with take me home. And then, uh, yeah that was it and then um which that ended up on a forgotten freshness I think. right and then uh and then they had a bit of a break from touring and and we did at the same time we would do like uh i think we would do like two or three days at the lotus pod and then we would be recording vocals on songs uh for tales from the lotus pod the first dark lotus record and at the same time the, like the next day we were doing uh, the second Riders, the Psychopathic Riders record. And then they'd go to Mike Clark's for a few days and they would be recording over there and I'd be making tracks at the lowest spot. So we were just going back and forth. It was two weeks, two records completely done in two weeks. It is. <laughs> and and, and the shit was great. I think it was great. And I, went to, I remember I went to the store one day into Nine Mile and Woodward. It was a bookstore and they had a Billboard magazine. So I went in there and opened it up. I had a number one record. Like, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was that was that was a nice day.
0: That's good. Uh, so let's uh, let's bounce back a little further than that, if you don't mind. Um, we don't like I was going into origin stories, but I think yours ties in because you're uh, local to Detroit. Um, yeah. So, like, if you don't mind telling us, like, what side of town were you were you from? Like, what was it like growing up in, in Detroit?
1: Uh, I, was, I was born on the east side, nine, uh, nine in Grashit. But then I lived at like eight in Gratiot, uh, seven in Chalmers, Eastern Market. I lived all like you know right downtown. And then um, at, when I met ICP, I was living in nine in Woodward, uh, in that area, like oh. kind of midtown, you know, uh, just north of the city.
0: I was just uh, and, I was uh, just over there today getting an apple fritter at uh, the <laughs> apple fritter over on a uh, non mile. So
1: all right, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, so we're, you know, I'm guessing yeah, you're deep there. Yeah, so, it, uh, we're I local, been, uh, so yeah. Cool. So I've just been around playing guitar in uh, all kinds of bands, rock bands to like pop things to everything you can imagine. I was in a folk band for a while, (laughs) heavy rock, the seventies rock, all these things. And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to date myself. I got a drum machine and a tape machine in 1988. (laughs) And I've been making tracks since then. And literally like every day, like I would practice guitar every single day of my life. Once in a while I went on a vacation for a weekend you know, and I would take a guitar with me, but like every day I would be making tracks and, um, it's a lot, you know, all through the nineties, you know, I was doing this stuff. And, um, and I mean like, like, a, a bunch of stuff that, that came out, uh, it was from like 1992 to 1995, like tracks that I made then and then came out like on Sug Island or ICP, um, all kinds of stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's where I came from. And, uh, uh, I'm always making tracks. I worked at different studios around Detroit, um, and uh, yeah,
0: that's and, it. And before you came back, you went to school out in Boston, correct? Uh, yeah.
1: How but, did you know that? See, so
0: we do yeah. a little research here. Um, actually, oh, sorry, really? yeah, one of our uh, one of my very good friends also went out there. And when I told her, she's like, "Oh, I, I never knew." So. Um, I just, I found it interesting that the name kind of rang a bell to me. So you obviously yeah. picked up a guitar when you were a kid and then you went out there to kind of perfect it. And then you brought it back here with everything you learned. Um, yeah,
1: hopefully I like yeah. it. To <laughs> and, then, and, and, and it was Berkeley college of music in Boston, Massachusetts. And it was a, just a great overall music education. It was awesome. And I don't like, you know, not, I don't know that you really need it to make rap tracks, but like, I mean, I do like, uh, you know, Joe, Violent and, and the guys, they usually call me for more complicated pieces of music, you know. Sometimes, sometimes it's just simple rock or rap tracks, but uh, sometimes it'll get a little bit more, and I, I liked it. I like having this knowledge, you know. so it's good. That's kind of
2: something we picked up on uh, when we did the Lotus season, because you have the three different producers, and we always said your track's going to have a lot of layers, it seems like, a lot of parts built on. And you can't really tell where they're coming from almost.
1: Yeah, I, I tend to overdo it, you know. Especially when I send tracks to, to uh, Psychopathic, I'll overdo it, and then a lot of times we'll peel things back, take this out, take that out, and put this in over here and that over there. And uh, I just give them a lot of stuff to work with, you know, and then sometimes it's all in at once.
0: <laughs> so yeah. uh, And you mentioned, you know, you came back to the city and you were in multiple bands, and then you finally got hired by them. Uh, how did that go? I mean, we've heard that you just you uh you answered an ad um i guess even before that like what was your knowledge of the juggalo world were you aware of them or were they just kind of in your periphery and and how did you get connected to them from there
1: yeah i uh I, obviously i definitely heard of icp i definitely heard their music and you'd see him on the cover i i remember uh gosh maybe it was like 96 or 97 there was a violent J was on the cover of like a, a metro times it might have been orbit like a local entertainment uh magazine weekly thing and he just was on there i was he's like smoking like a, a roll of hundred dollar bills or something he had a bunch of money it was a cool it was a cool picture I'm like who is this you know and so yeah i definitely definitely uh followed that and uh, uh but I, di- I didn't know the juggalo world i didn't know there was a whole world to it like like good god there was this whole thing I, I didn't. It was just a group doing their thing, but at the same time, I knew Mike Clark since the mid 90s, I was friends with him. So, and uh, actually, um, uh, I recorded at his studio, I had a band, we went over there, and and so you know, he he hit me to all that stuff, and uh, yeah, and then you know, I went in, and and yes, I saw an ad. I I, we we always started to make it sound cooler, but I found an ad (laughs) in, in the Metro Times. was like a a record label studio looking for engineer. Okay, cool. So I went over there, called up, met with Alex, and he's like, all right, let's go, let's do this. You know, I had, I made a lot of records before that. I had some, um, I mean, before that I had some stuff like hit, like sell 2 million in like a month, you know, uh, as an engineer, you know, uh, a bunch of things like that. So, you know, I mean, I had had a lot of experience at that time. And uh, so, yeah, we just, we started working. I put the studio together and, and yeah. And the way we went. So, and a lot of it was an accident too, because uh, I was I was just an engineer there, which is great. You know, it was a, it was a good gig. And then one day we were at Mike Clark's and uh, hanging out ICP. There, we doing something there. And I had a CD of just tracks I made, and I I gave it to Violent J. I'm like, we check this out. I'm like, I was just goofing around, you know. And, and he put it in and put up put it in a Walkman, put headphones on. Cool. And I think Shaggy was in the booth rapping or something, and he put this on and flipped through one. He said, "Cool," you know. He said, "All right, uh, so maybe me tomorrow at noon at the Lotus Pod." Okay, cool. Next day, he pulled that track in and he was putting vocals on my track, and that was uh, "Are You Wicked?" No. And then the next day we did uh, "Run," and the third one on that track was S- "Super Villains" or "Super Dupa that came out on uh, on the Wraith. And then he's like, you got any more? And I got, I'm got, like, I got hundreds, you know? And then uh, he's like, well, go make more, you know? I'm like, cool. So that's how I, uh, you know, a few months in, kind of uh, transitioned to be an engineer and and writing uh, music for them, you know? Writing, producing music, you know, whatever you want to say it. So.
0: Yeah, that's, so that was a long answer. No, that's good. You've touched on uh, a lot of things we were going to ask already. So you... Uh, and and, and thing, I never... Like, how did you guys know that? You guys are digging deep because I...
1: I wanted to make it sound cooler throughout all the years. I really didn't admit that to very many people. Oh, I'm like sorry. It was we just can... Add in the paper because it doesn't sound as cool. Um, <laughs> but like I said, I knew Mike. I knew Mike Clark for a long time. But uh, yeah, it was it. it ad in the paper. And, and Mike Clark was, I mean, he said he was always really supportive of me taking that role, you know, so that was cool.
0: I guess that's an interesting point. And we didn't mark any of that down for a question. And usually we say this beforehand, but it's funny that you say you had a relationship with Mike Clark because there may be a, I don't know, a narrative out there that, whenever psychopathic shuffles, shuffles quote unquote in a producer and one out that there's like bad blood, like you replaced him and you're a different era and then you left and he came back or you have new guys kind of, and it's like, that's not necessarily the case. I would imagine unless there is some kind of, I wouldn't say friction, but do you have like a competitive kind of, you know, trying to one upsmanship with, with guys like that? Obviously, it's going to be
1: a, a thing, uh, and like I said, M- and Mike told me this. He was like, "I'm like," he told me this in like 2001. You know, and we've talked about it a bunch. He's like, he, he said that he was he was always glad that I was the one that that took over because he left completely for a while. You for a while we were going, you know, doing different things, like working on things together, and then he left completely. And um, and so I, I, I've always been his friend. I dig Mike, and I think he's a legend and really talented. He created musically he created this whole thing, right? I think, from what I can tell. So um yeah, I don't know. I, we don't we've and I've hung with him, you know, I mean I probably haven't seen him in a few years since the, the, the pandemic and all that. But uh and he was out on the kid rock tours, he'd come through Nashville or and I'd go hang with him. So we've always been cool. But at the same time, obviously there's there's probably a there's a, gonna be a thing. You know, it's just like it's like breaking up with a chick, you know, and all of a sudden your friend's kicking it with this chick and and you're like, no, it's cool. You know, good, but it's still be a thing to it. You know? So be like, that's a little weird, but uh, it's good. I'm good. I'm done. You know? (laughs) So, (laughs) so, um, but like I say, Mike, me and Mike are good friends. So, and we've actually talked and you guys got to bug him about this. If you want to talk to him, we talked about doing a record together. I'm like, Mike, why don't you and I do a record? And like, that's stupid. Why haven't we, you know? So, uh,
2: that'd be
0: nice. Yeah. That'd be interesting.
2: We're you can make a parody of the Mike and Ike shirt, you know? There, yeah, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> get, get working oh, yeah, on
0: yeah. that, Chris. Put that on your list of things to uh, parody.
1: <laughs> so it was always, like I said, it was always cool with us, you know?
0: Uh, is that it for uh, our first set of questions, Chris? Is there anything else there that you want to dive into or you want to?
2: You kind of touched on it too. Of we were wondering, you mentioned bringing tracks to them and they become became uh, future songs, but yeah, apparently they did, as you pointed out, which is kind of cool yeah. to hear. Like, yeah. That I, interesting.
1: Uh, the river from Crack Tiles, I, I did that in '92. Those tracks, what's on the record? Slam, I did that in '95. Like I said, there was a bunch of stuff, and then there's a bunch of different things, like like an idea from this song, idea from that song, and put it together. And so, uh, but most of it was all new stuff, like making it as as we go, you know. So,
0: all right. Uh, so you kind of touched on this, but we're going to uh, kind of jump right in as. Our listeners may or may not know we do seasons uh, for each album, and our second season was Dark Lotus Tales from the Lotus Pod, which yeah, has your know. your fingerprints, Mike Clark's, Fritz, yeah. pretty much everyone's. Um,
1: I didn't know. I didn't know Fritz was on it that much. I know he did that. Uh, I the last song, Jungle Family. family. I, I know he did that song, but did he do? I didn't know he did any others. But
0: uh, uh, from what we gathered, I don't have the list in front of me. Was it? four songs chris and
1: yeah, uh, yeah, I, know that. I thought it was just me and mike
0: uh, i guess well I, and we can get into that a little bit but from what we gathered he created a couple over at the disc they brought them over to you you recreated slash uh, spiced them up but the only one that you didn't was juggalo family and that was his original guitar riff on that one
1: no um actually no uh, the, i'm on four songs i worked on four songs for uh tales from the lotus pod and those were all created right then and there there were no other um i mean i like i created them and then they came in the studio the next day and everyone sat down and was writing verses and like someone would come up with an idea for a hook and that so none, none of it was like touched up from anyone else's stuff
0: so you know? for you we have alibaba i hurt myself call upon your gods and the swarm yeah, and swarm is—I love that
1: song. That's my jam. Yeah,
0: and maybe the intro—we never—we can never figure out who did the intro. So
1: maybe I would have to listen to it to figure out. But uh, yeah, that was all brand new stuff there, and um, I, I don't know—I might have mixed it, maybe may have mixed all the songs, possibly. But um, I, I know that like like uh, jungle Family—they recorded their vocals at the Lotus Pond, so I would have done that, and then probably mixed it. Um, but uh, Mike Clark, I imagine Mike Clark mixed his own uh, productions, you know, at his place.
0: Yeah. And, that
2: so is, and is, that's to make it, so it matters worse, that's an album that started and stopped so many times and never had any credits listed anywhere. <laughs> you know, it was just a blank book. So for years, uh, it was lore of trying to figure out who, who was on what, who did what. Wow. Yeah, I guess. Uh, so it, it was supposed to uh,
1: they were supposed to do that record years before that. Is that the case? Yeah. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't really know that.
0: And but, that uh, kind of leads into like one of our first questions with you. So, again, like the long story short of Lotus, their first song that they did was in 98. Right, Chris? Uh, and that yeah. came out on Jekyll Brothers <laughs> in 99. And then it just... Well, I, I had no idea. It was just a start and stop of like, Blaze is oh, going to really? be on it. No, he's not. Vampiro is going to be on it. No, he's not. We got this new person. No, he's not. Like, they talked about doing this song with Godsmack, right? Yeah. Like, crazy. Yeah, it, it's just, a it was like three years of whatever. And, oh, okay. and just, I guess that's a, a question that we always wonder is... You jumped right into that. Like, did you feel, did, well, maybe apparently not now, did you feel the pressure of like, like their most anticipated CD coming out? It was like three years in the making, and you're just new to them, and they're like, oh, We're working on this project. And it was your first true project that you worked on. A- any pressure, any knowledge of the lore of that? Or you just, it was just a day job for you, and you're like, Oh, I got a couple songs and let's make it happen.
1: Um, I, I, you know, I just I didn't feel any more pressure than ever. Uh, anything else, you know, it was just like let's go in and do the work. You know, it was a, it was pressure, but it was uh, I could handle. It. it was good pressure. It was fun. Um, it was inspiration. You know, good inspiration. Um, I did not know that it was a project that they were going to do for years. I, I had no idea. I, I I mean, maybe I heard this ten years ago. I don't think so. But I think it's the first time I ever heard this stuff. We
0: just assume, we assume, like, I
1: had no idea. We
0: assume, like, your first day in the studio, they just dump like all this stuff on you in different pieces, and they're like, Yeah, put this puzzle together, but you're half blindfolded, and some are backwards, and just go to it. But,
1: yeah, it was like that. But, you know, Alex and Joe would come to me and be like, We're doing this project, you ready? I'm like, Yeah, let's go. Because I was just there every day, anyways. I was at the studio for a long time, you know, and like I said, we started that on one of their breaks from the Bizarre Bizarre tour. So yeah, I wasn't like, I wasn't freaking out. I was like, yeah, let's go to work, you know? Cool. And I was, I was excited. I was really excited. It was just, and, and it was a time where it was just so much fun because every day someone would pop in, like you'd just be working in the studio doing some random thing and, uh, or working on a specific record. And you know, Twisted would just walk in the studio. Like they would have a meeting with Alex, the president of the label at the time. And they would just be like, "Hey!" And they'd be like, uh, "Hey, jump on this verse." They're like, "Okay, cool." And ABK and Blade, everyone would just—it was just this whole community that was just awesome. And everyone was just jumping on on people's stuff. Uh, it was really spontaneous, and it was just a really great time. And then we would like—we we would like run off and like we go to lunch and then like go play laser tag or go, ride go karts or something and come back and work on the record. Like a lot of stuff like that was happening. It was just so much fun. Like just a great group of people, so
0: and, yeah, and we talk about that kind of often too. That uh, that kicked off because they had their own studio. Like, I know they had the yeah. means and the money and the people to do it, but, like, if it doesn't matter if you have all the talent in the world. If you have to pay someone X amount of money per hour, you don't get the time for that. Like, and some of these songs, yeah. we imagine you and Jay literally working 24 hours, just middle of the night, being like, oh, this is good, we have time. Let's add this, let's bring in another voice, let's, you know, double yeah. this up. Like, if you have the time and the means and it shows in those that era of albums for sure Mm -hmm.
1: that's exactly what happened uh joe uh was a, a and still is a workaholic and i was too i was like let's go you know 12 14 15 hour days in the studio and you know i got friends that are literally digging ditches for a living right now so that's freaking hard you know but um sitting behind a computer you know, cutting Vogel's Mix, and that's, you know, that's kind of hard, too, for 15 hours. You know, So there were some tough days, but I was like, let's go, man. This is great. So now I'm a little older. I'm a little more tired. I'm like, I i got to go take a nap <laughs> <you know? laughs> after, after six hours. But, uh, yeah, it was like, uh, uh, you know, a lot of people were putting in work, but like a lot of me and Joe just putting the hours in. You know, so uh, yeah, exactly what it was like. Yeah. It was cool.
0: That's good. And sh- like we said, it shows. You know, with the different yeah. layers and sounds. That's that's
1: definitely. A thousand vocal doubles on this score. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, as we as we did Lotus Deep Dive, we're like they really went all in on the backward recordings. Like at some point, like okay, this is a scary, spooky message. And at some point, like oh, they're just having fun putting anything backwards because because they want the backwards talking on the back of the tracks there. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was some uh, some weird stuff like that. They, just, uh, they was co- that was cool sounding, I think. So Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. It was our, what is it? We, we kind of stole something maybe from another song. <sighs> what was it? Oh, that was, on a, that was on a Crack Tiles song. I'm not going to say what song it was, but we took something from another record that we were working on. And it was Joe's
0: idea, so okay, let's put that in there. Well, we'll save let's that, that for the Crack Tiles uh, season. Yeah. <laughs> we'll come back and All talk right. to you about that. Yeah.
2: As we still have it up in the air on who did the intro on Lotus, didn't the uh, Lotus intro get in some uh, trouble for a sample on there? You okay.
1: you might be right. You might be right. Um, I don't remember exactly uh, who did that, but it might have been there was this like there was this like uh, this this group kind of like I think it was just a couple dudes that would make these records and they were like it was just like weird spooky music for like Halloween parties or haunted houses. It wasn't like their a record. And uh, I think someone at the label really liked this and and they pulled from that at times. And um, they've since settled this issue with the company and the publishers, you know, and yeah, that was a thing. Uh, And uh, I mean, I didn't, you know, at that time, like I said, Joe was like, put this here put that there, put that in the intro. Okay, cool. Boom. Done. (laughs) You know? And then like, I would go to, the president of the label at times say, Hey, there are some samples on this record. And he's like, cool. I'll take care of it. Did he, or did he not? I don't know. Sometimes he did. Sometimes he didn't. So was it was my I
2: part of that time frame, That early two thousands was almost a little, the tail end of the wild west when it came to. You're right. right. Yeah. The exactly. exactly. Yeah.
1: They, they were starting to crack down on that stuff at that time, you know, so, but you know, original hip hop, like I heard cats talk up like, what, you are know, talking on a documentary that I seen and they were like, Hip-hop, it was kind of like an unwritten uh, rule in hip-hop. You couldn't make original music. You had to sample. And that was the whole thing of like two turntables putting different pieces of music together, a beat and music, and then rapping over it. That was the whole thing. And then we got samplers and we would, you know, sample tracks. But uh, that's what hip-hop was based on. And right. so, you know, and then it just kind of, I think it just weeded out after a while, so.
0: And we touched on this a little bit, but uh, your knowledge of psychopathic before you started there, obviously living in Detroit, you've heard of them, but the subculture Mm -hmm. that they grew, like when... Did you realize that? Uh, obviously, like we said, you're just, you're in the studio, you're making music. Did you go to like a hollow wicked or a gathering or a show where you just walked in and you were like, holy shit, this, this, they're playing my song. There's a thousand people here who are vibing to it. Like when was that aha moment that you went from behind the board to I'm part of something bigger?
1: Okay. One thing way back, let's see, I'm going to say 1996, I played at, I, I performed at a place called the Ritz. You guys know what that? Yep. Remember that? Ritz and, Roseville. Uh, and Yeah, and I remember Mike Clark saying that he was just doing tracks for this group, ICP, and all of a sudden he showed up at the Ritz, and it's—I mean, I don't know—what is it, a little fifteen hundred people? And he said he he got in the door, and that's as far as he can get because it was just jam-packed full of people. You couldn't, he couldn't—he couldn't even step in the building really, and uh, um, it was right then and that uh, that day that night they played an early show, and that night I played there, and I didn't. I didn't know much about them. And it's a funny thing. They left a trampoline. they used have a trampoline <laughs> those station. that would jump off and jump in the audience. And they left the trampoline. It was broken. And someone on our, you know, we had kind of a road trip at the time. And they grabbed that trampoline and, uh, and took it home and fixed it. And we had this tramp, we had ICP's trampoline, you know, in, in our uh, apartment in downtown Detroit. So that was my first uh, run in with them or not, you know, first time I'm like, oh, yeah, it's ICP's. And then, uh, and then seeing him on magazine covers in, in Detroit and then, you know, knowing Mike Clark, hearing about it. But, but I didn't know. I, 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 like I mentioned before, I didn't understand. I didn't know this, the Juggalo culture, the subculture, like how big it was. And then um, Bizarre Bizarre Tours, I, I don't know if it was before Dark Lotus, but I would fly out. Like Joe would be like, Mike, come meet us. And I, th- I flew out to Iowa, me and Blaze because uh, Blaze was joining that tour. So me and Blaze caught a plane and then I remember we were sitting on this little ass plane. Because <laughs> we took a big plane somewhere and then I had to take this little plane to where ICP was uh performing and it was an outdoor thing. It was, it was huge, you know. And we were just freaking out. Me and Blaze are tripping on this plane, like geez, like you call it a buddy Holly, you know. <laughs> so so then and then, you know, I jumped on the bus and traveled with them for like a week or two and um uh, Mars was on that mm-hmm. tour. So it was Blaze, Mars. Who else? I, I don't know if there was anyone else.
0: Yeah, there was some weird uh, rock band. Um, Chris, you're cutting out. You're up. yeah, your internet's bad, Chris. I, I wasn't suicidal tendencies, was it? It was um
1: no no um before that, Cold Chamber oh, yeah. was on the tour, but that was that was before me. That was like a few years yeah. before that. But uh, so that was my first introduction to the culture of uh, um you know the Juggalo. Uh, subculture you know seeing that like all over the country and I'm like I didn't know there and then I and I uh, the man Joe first hanging out one day he was talking about uh all these bands they toured with this and that and, that, and I'm like and I and he was he actually got mad at me he was like because I asked uh well so t- who was a headliner and he was like what do you mean who's a headliner <laughs> <I> We <was like, laughs> do <you> <laughs> don't know for anybody you know and I'm like cool I didn't know you know I didn't know you know all over the country I didn't realize yeah I didn't know that they were that big But yeah, it was just killing everywhere we went or they went, you know, and, and then uh, that was, uh, that was my first introduction. And then we do the, uh, we do Dark Lotus and they, uh, they performed, I went to the gathering that year, just hanging out. And um, I think, did they open up with the Swarm? Uh, I think they did because Dark Lotus, that was the first Dark Lotus performance. Mm. I think the only with that lineup. Yep. Um, and that was 2001, July of 2001, in Toledo. Correct, is that right? That is correct, and uh, you know, just a big room. And they came out with it. Ah, that was fucking great,
0: yeah.
1: Um, and, and hearing hearing like these the songs I worked on in this environment just Thousands of people going bananas. That that was that was that was it. Your question. That's my long answer. That was my aha moment. Like this. Yeah.
0: Wow. Uh, quick little research here. The entire Bizarre Bizarre tour, which went on forever. Opening acts included Blaze, Insolence, Mars, Chuck D's Confrontation Camp. I don't remember that at all.
1: what
0: that? Wow. Um, suicidal tendencies and Nashville Pussy.
1: Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Yeah, what a good time! It was a great time just hanging out on uh, on that tour. We had so much fun, and you know, Mar- and, like I hung out with Mars a lot, and uh, and uh, Patrick, I forgot his stage name, you know, the hype man and stuff. And and Mars was going through that transition of of like being convinced by Joe to be more like try to be a juggalo act. You know, they wanted to bring him in, and so he started painting then. And uh, yeah, it was uh, just a, what a great time we had. You know, it was fun, and then just. You know, I was new and you know, I was new to the scene, so everything's always cool when there's a new person in this scene. You know, you're always having fun and getting along, you know, so yeah,
0: yeah. Um, so yeah, Dark Lotus, you want to anything else on Lotus that you want to touch on, Chris? Those last couple, you're not even looking.
2: <laughs> um, and just oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. We did have the one question we were uh. <clears throat> There was a female singing on it. Was that someone locally you knew? We couldn't figure out the name to that. Uh, On I Hurt Myself, I believe it was.
1: Yes. Doesn't it it say There's no credits anywhere? There's no
2: liner notes.
1: Tell me why. (laughs) Yes.
0: I guess you, you kind of answered it before that they had you bringing in, you know, different bands to check things out. Like, you had such an outreach in the local community. If you needed you know, a drummer or a female voice where you just like, Hey, I got it. Boom. And the next day you had one of your friends or or someone in another band coming in and you just like, you incorporated new voices in there. I I assume that's what you did.
1: And that is for a future date. If you want, that's how Zug Island started. But anyways, back to, uh, tell me why I uh, hurt hurt myself. I think, yeah, I can hear the voice in my head. Uh, That was a chick I was kicking it with at the time. And they're like, we need a chick on this. And I'm like, cool. Called her up. She lived close by. Boom popped in, saying that, and uh, yeah, I don't even want to say her name.
0: <laughs> that's, all, that's all we no, need to know. Period. We can we period. can leave it at that.
1: Oh, I gotta say that. I mean, it's fun for a minute, but Jesus, <laughs> I think that's I think that's who. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I can hear that screeching voice in my head. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sorry to bring up such. I, I, a... I,
1: I don't <laughs> need to be. I to be mean, But uh, it's just, you know, yeah, wow. But yeah, it was a uh, yeah i forgot all about that
0: that's what we're here for (laughs)
2: yeah right (laughs) Uh,
0: and just a random like last question for lotus because we joke about it throughout the season do you consider yourself a member of dark lotus as a producer as a whatever you did behind the scenes you know like do you just see it as those six guys or do you really see yourself as part of that group
1: no i i never would see myself as a member you know i just worked on their record and you know it was an honor to have been able to but no i never saw myself as that you know i mean it would have been awesome to have gone and, and performed which i may have right well I, mean, I know i've gone on stage for like the last song uh, We may have done some of that stuff before right uh, i don't know but no i you know i'm just like i'm working on their this is their record you know and then uh you know that's it so
0: it's all good we just know, a joke I mean, about it so i'd
1: love to have been considered that would have been great because i would have gone up and played guitar or something you know uh the bloody brothers we had a concert apparently that was another thing that was supposed to happen for years like the hillbilly um, hip-hop thing and uh they, you know i they were i was going to play like a electric banjo live you know and through a big marshall stack that was like a some talk back then you know so
0: yeah that would have been a good one. And then, yeah, 20 years later, that finally came out with one single, right? Uh, Which song? Uh, just last Was it last year, Chris? It was during the pandemic. Yeah, it was recently. Yeah, they yeah. did the, um, they did like that Hootenanny show in, in West Virginia and they gave away a bloody brother. song.
1: Yeah. Yeah. What was, yeah, I think, I, I think I did that song. I'm pretty sure I did. Uh, um,
0: yeah. I, I thought you did too, but I don't know what off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, you're right. Um, because I wrote in 2001 I wrote a, a bunch of tracks for that because I thought we were going to go ahead and do that and they and I think I've said this before in an interview but they ended up being one of them is Small Town on Crack Tiles, the zog Island record and another one just came out I think it was, was it called The Wolf on Hell's Pit uh, Hell's, Cellar, Hell's Cellar it was like the leftovers mm-hmm. from Hell's Pit and, and then the, there's a third one I wrote that was just like that. It had like banjos and fiddles and stuff. And I can't find it. I don't know what happened to that track. Oh, come on. Know. Yeah, <laughs> I got to find that somewhere, right? And yeah. gonna, I, I had him called. I named the one, two, and three. And I can't find number three. And it was just like that. I, I'll, I'm going to try to. I should fi- try to find it harder. I don't know. That's funny. The, the, <laughs>
0: yeah. yeah. That, was, that was cool. The one that just came out was called After Murder Sunrise. Yes. So yep. there you go. I wouldn't I remember I, that either. So, uh, let me see. It, it has you as a credit. So I. Oh, cool! Then yeah, I did do it. Yeah, Oh, yeah, honestly. good job. <laughs>
1: yeah, because yeah. I, sometimes I, there's so many songs. I mean, 250. Now it's like I don't even know, 270. I don't even have a count. And like another, like I said, another couple hundred that are still in waiting. Um, I was at, I was at a party performing with Zug Island in Buffalo, like I don't know, six seven years ago. And I'm like, and they're playing music, Juggalo music, and I'm like, what is this? Why do I know this song? And they're like, it's you. <laughs> and I'm like, what? and uh, yeah, uh, I you know, usually I remember them, but sometimes yeah, I forget.
2: So
0: I can see, that. especially from
2: this time frame that we're digging into, because like you said, there's so many projects, so many people yeah. in it. Who knows what was used? What you know, where it wound up? Yeah, yeah, it's like that. Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so Dark Lotus, as we said, that came out in July of. Two thousand and one, which is yeah. an eternity ago.
1: Great, <laughs> great, great moment. Yeah. Good God!
0: And so, right at the same time, or you know, shortly thereafter, as we jump forward, our current season that we're talking about is Blazes One Last G in the Hood. Yeah, so that awesome, right? that came out in October of two thousand and one. So we can only assume that there was a little bit of overlap, or at least that was your next big project.
1: Yeah. Let me think. I, yeah, because right after, uh, uh, right after Dark Lotus, you know, we did that two weeks, Dark Lotus and Lighters, and then I'm pretty sure ICP was still going out on tour, but they would come home here and there, like for a week, and then head back out. So, uh, and Alex is kidding. we were like, hey, I think we're signing Blaze to the label. Uh, you and Twisted are going to go in the studio and work on this record. I'm like, cool, awesome. Here we go. And uh, so I got to work with Jamie and Paul, like we were in there. I don't, I don't remember how long it took, but that was, yeah, that was right in the, I would say spring of 2001. And that was, again, that was just a great time. And blaze was coming in and out of town. Like he would fly into town, spit a bunch of wraps, fly back out on the tour, you know, like he'd be in town for a couple days and then head back out. And and, uh, so that stuff was going on while me, Jamie and Paul were working in the Lotus pod. And uh, you know, we were just creating tracks, and uh, and then someone told me this years later, like six, maybe ten years later. The, the concept, the original concept of Blaze you did Homie, was supposed to be like when it was first announced. It, and his whole thing was supposed to be a throwback, like an 80s sounding hip hop record. Did you guys know that? I had no idea. Uh, someone told me this. <laughs> I think I was in. I think I was in like Denver, Colorado. And someone was talking about that. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I never heard this. No one ever told me that. No one ever came to me and said, this is the concept. It's supposed to sound like this. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. But someone told me that. And uh, someone kind of unrelated. Uh, someone that was like a intern or assistant at Psychopathic 20 years ago. And it was not, and it was great. I love it. But it was not my idea to put all those guitars on there. Jamie and Paul were just like, let's put a guitar on this. I'm like, cool. Okay. You know, so it kind of came out like, a lot of guitar stuff on there, you know, which is I like it. That was fun, but it wasn't even my idea. <laughs> those guys were pushing for that, so it was great, you know. And uh, just great times, fun tracks, and uh, just bouncing back and forth with those guys. And, yeah, another another thing, just a great time. And uh, Blaze, his voice, just guys, just got this enormous voice, right? right. Just awesome voice and uh, great flow. Yeah.
0: yeah that's what i remember and that's funny that you tell you again you touched on a bunch of our questions all in one in one <laughs> answer um yeah. you're right like i mean his gimmick was that he was stuck in 1989 so you would think it would have an older sound but we have kind of i don't even know if we've talked about this chris like in depth on the podcast but like his first ep was straight him, Twisted, and Fritz. And it has a very old-school, east-side, grimy sound to it. And and we've debated, like, yeah, coming to Psychopathic, was there a a concerted effort to, like, change his sound, make it more sounding like everyone else on the label at the time? And it sounds like there wasn't, but it kind of turned out that way. Like, no one told you, this needs to sound like it came from 1990. It's just... The music you wanted, to, you guys wanted to make.
1: Yeah, I had no idea. Like I said, um, and at the same time, I was still a new guy there. So you know, I, I, I was you know part of the production team, um, but I would say Jamie and Paul were more the executive producers, making like the the executive decisions, final decisions. You know, and it wasn't even like back and forth like that. But I was just following their lead on that. You know, and then like I say, I heard it's supposed to be like this, and and uh, I had no idea. <laughs> Uh, I so, I
2: love
0: the way it came out. I think it, it's an awesome record. Yeah, for sure. It's yeah, one of our favorites. I don't and
2: think sure. like the the sound didn't to me, you know, supposed to be that way. But yeah, the character, but then it seemed like, like P- Peter mentioned that they sprinkled on a little bit more to make it a more wrestling comic book theatric character. Because in the first one, he's just okay, he's gangster rap, and now, or he's got maggots on his face and he's coming in and out of the coffin and he's a, he's a zombie. You know, the kind of a more psychopathic. Elevation yeah, to that character felt yeah you're right that is it you know so so i'm sure that
1: jamie and paul had a direction you know and i was just uh, i was just like uh let's do you know they were like let's do something like this i'm like cool there we go they they knew him better than me because he was a part of their camp right yeah that's right yeah he was always but then and then blaze brought in abk and uh, and then well, there were all kinds of guests on One Less G. Also, right? I think like I think everybody's on
0: it, right? Uh, yeah, there was the song at the end with everybody. Um, Sin was on it. That was his first uh, yep. first song, time we saw Big G Money on there. Um, yeah. Who else was on there? Because there was one woman's voice, but it was just on that uh, voicemail. <laughs>
2: Same
1: girl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. No, there's a there's a girl, there's a chorus on that record with the girl singing. Yeah, it's the same girl. The nasty um, one, yeah. yeah oh, really? From uh, yeah, nasty. The same girl from uh, Dark Lotus. Yeah,
0: oh, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else we got on One yeah. last G?
2: I guess my one question just pops up because Blaze was you know in and out on tour recording vocals. Were you working with him much during that time, or was he just kind of you had the tr- vocals and you were working with Twisted to piece it together?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, we we did we did a lot of time together blaze and i and then like what's a song um there was one like i just i created the track it was just me and uh, blaze was there i was creating this track and what the heck was it i'll i can if i hear it i'll think of it but like there was stuff like that that happened you know that he was there he was there present and, and like yeah give me an hour i do this track get it together and then you know it, it takes more than an hour but we'd have a basis of something you could rap to it and then we add more later but um yeah. So it was always like, it was always different, you know, sometimes he'd be around for a couple of weeks, sometimes just a few days. And, and I could be wrong too. This is 22 years ago, you know, exactly 22 years ago. So, uh, well, let me a little more, but uh, yeah. So uh, that's how I remember it. You
0: know, it's funny that you mentioned uh, how he was in and out of the studio and on tour because that brings up <laughs> what we just talked about recently and some of the funniest things on that CD the skit at the end where you guys yeah, called
1: was, him I I I so i mean we
0: could have a million questions but i'm sure you're going to have a good story that has all of that combined so you just you yeah. go right ahead
1: uh, yeah we we're like okay we need to skit at the end and then uh, <laughs> there was like a, an assistant engineer at the time at the lotus pod it was a uh, someone i knew that was an assistant at The studio I worked at before it was called Harmony Park, downtown Detroit. His name was Todd. Everyone nicknamed him Huggy Bear. (laughs) Worked from uh, Starsky and Hutch, and that's who he blamed it all on. And uh, (laughs) he was kind of he was kind of mad at that skit. He's like, "Fuck, man!" And so, yeah, we had Alex come in, and yeah, we'd always have there was like a a landline phone sitting there. We'd always call someone and have like prank calls and record it, you know, make them skits. So yeah, same thing. We called Blaze up, and y'all know he's like Alex is like, "Yo, you got to come back this." this guy Huggy Bear was in there and he raced all the files and, like, and Blaze and was really mad He's like oh my god you gotta be kidding me like he was like, I, I'm like that's not nice man that was a little hardcore <laughs> I was like everything's a race but uh, yeah and then it was and then we hung up and he's probably like his head is spinning for a while and then someone called him and said hey we're just kidding it was a skit so I thought that was a little hardcore <laughs> to leave him hanging like that but yeah, that was a that was just a funny skit we did, you know. And uh, but, you know, I, I, another thing too, a funny skit. Like about ten years ago, someone called my phone. This has nothing to do with it, but and they left a voicemail in there, and they kept calling back, calling back, and it was like this obnoxious voicemail. And I'm pretty sure it was a skit. I think that was that someone was trying to get me on on a skit. And uh, I think it was twisted actually when they were still on the label, and they said that they were. Uh, they said they were part of Wicked Wisco, like some crew. I've seen their name around, you know, at gatherings and stuff. I think I met some of them, but they and they were like all oh, pissed off at me because I was supposed to do a track for someone and do it. And they were like, man, fuck you, and, and all this stuff. And and uh and I was just like I was just like I put it on speakerphone and this I was with this girl at the time and she's like, we're just cracking up, like, dude, who the fuck is this? I don't know who you are. And then and then uh, I swear it was Jamie uh from twisted it really sounds like him man and, and i'm just like waiting for this to come out i think maybe i didn't i i, I didn't play along enough you know yeah. I was like, like, this has got to be some bullshit but uh I, someone put that skit out that was funny as hell if it was a skit it kind of <laughs> seemed like it maybe it was real maybe these guys are ratting. i don't know <laughs> but it was funny as hell we were laughing our asses off and uh and I was just waiting for the, I was waiting for a call, like, okay, like maybe George is going to call me like, Hey, can we use that as a skit? You know, it never happened. So that kind of stuff would happen uh,
0: often. And uh, yeah. And skit. part of that skit that you had was that uh blaze parked his car in your driveway and it got towed on that skit. Yeah. Um, because so they called him and said that everything got wiped and he had to come back and record. And then you called him back and said, Oh, by the way, they impounded your car. Uh, there's a bunch of papers that I gave to Alex and they, they called uh, it the Brown bomber. Like, so I, did he really park his car a- at your house? Was that a. Cause, cause we, um, yeah. Cause, cause we flew out on the bizarre,
1: bizarre tour and I flew home. You know, after like a couple of weeks, and then he stayed out longer, so maybe he did park at my house. That could happen. I don't remember. I don't even remember that skit. Yeah. It's on there.
2: Yeah, you're on there calling
1: him. Is it on the original or the the re-release? Uh, is it on the streaming, Chris? No, I think it's just on the original. Yeah, copy. I got to pull that up. Cause I don't remember that. I have not Yeah, so here we are. We're always calling each other and pulling these skits and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So
2: yeah. kinda back early on when you mentioned uh, laser tag, I think Blaze um, threatens to take Huggy Bear down and laser tag at the end when everyone uh yeah. <laughs> what happened. He threatened them with that's a great. kickboxing
0: fight at Zap Zone down the street. Yeah, that's
2: what it was
1: at Zap Zone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's great. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull this stuff up and listen again. Yeah, we have yeah.
0: it all on MP three. If you can't, I'm sure you can, yep. but just shoot us a uh, a message and we'll we'll send it right to you. Yeah,
1: I will uh, I have everything on C D. But that's what we're I haven't right. owned a CD player in like ten years. <laughs> I don't even have a CD player in my car.
0: So, it's uh, yeah. terrible. Uh, what <laughs> yeah. else we have here? Uh, the last kind of. Unless, did you want to do anything else on one less G before the last one, no. Chris? No, that's All good. Right. Um, and um, maybe we'll talk about this if we ever talk to you in the future for a Zog Island season. But as I remember it. Um Zug Island's second performance was at the 1 Less G release party. And actually, now that I didn't even write it down, Zug's first performance Blaze opened for you uh at St. Andrews if I recall. Like do you have any stories about just those couple shows early days of Zug Island performing with with Blaze? Yeah.
1: I, I I remember the St. Andrews show our first show and it was like such a big deal uh and I don't I guess I don't remember who opened because I was so stressed out because, you know, just it was a first show and.
0: And um Yeah, just to interrupt you real quick as I remember it, so it was you had to call and like get on the list. Me and my yes. bu- me and my buddy Rex went down there, we're not on the list. We were across the street at Sweetwater, <laughs> eating yeah. dinner. We walked over and Alex just popped out of the door and he said, Let everyone in and we walked yeah. in and Blaze yeah. was performing and it was okay, we're seeing yeah, Blaze and Doug Island. Like this is a a good that's night. Great. So
1: I, I don't remember blaze because I was probably
0: backstage going over the
1: set list and arguing with the band, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was a great, great night. And, but our second show, yes, you're right. I don't remember it being his record release party, but I remember it was the hollow wicked after party. Correct. right? Yep. Yeah. And at the majestic theater, yep. which is this amazing theater, uh, really like old legendary theater in Detroit. And, um, and it was just awesome. Just, I mean, i uh, It was just jam packed, and uh, we we opened up for Blaze, and then um, it was just chaos. And I, it was Halloween. They had a bunch of pumpkins <laughs> on stage, <laughs> barrels of hay. You guys were there, right? Uh, yeah, Chris has a funny story. Barrels of hay,
2: right, right to my, right to my head. I was covered in hay, <laughs> pulling out of my shirt. <laughs> I, you're right. I don't remember who threw it. Someone <laughs> from the oh, bank. you
1: know what? I I, uh, I I did it. I was like sitting there. I'm playing. I'm like. It's Halloween. I'm gonna smash some pumpkins through it, and then like through the hay, busted the hay up. I don't know. I just went nuts. And then after Joe's like, you guys should do that every night. That should be your thing, you know. And then um, and I just remember at the end of the night, everyone's gone. There was a they were just like shoveling up hay, and it was a huge pile of hay in the middle of the venue. I, mean, I, I didn't get in trouble that time for it because uh, it was like it was like a hardwood floor, so it cleaned up quick and easy i'm sure someone was pissed about it and, and then a year later maybe two years later we're playing at harpo's and it was the same thing it was halloween uh around halloween and we were playing with Isham. i think i still have the flyer for that somewhere and um and i did the same thing i threw it all over the place and then after the show was we like yeah that's cool and uh and then i got surrounded by like all these 10 foot tall security guards and the manager just coming at me you know and and I'm like, oh man, I was just putting on a show, bro, uh, and and you know, and I, yeah, he was really pissed. And uh, we actually got charged. They charged us a bunch of money to oh, our yeah, yeah. They charged and I, and I understand. Like later, I think I'm, the thing about Harpo's is it was carpet. And I went there 10 years later, and that
0: hay is still in the car. Uh, that's probably still there because I haven't cleaned that fucking place. It's disgusting. Yeah,
1: they, that's the funny thing about Harpo's is they haven't cleaned that since the 50s. Yeah. First of all, Harpo's, my dad used to go to see movies at Harpo's. When he was a little kid, he would walk there, and it was a nickel to see a movie at that place. So here I am, and I'm like, yeah, I ruined Harpo's. Um, yeah, like I say, I went there years later. All the hay is still there. So I had to pay. We had to pay all this money, like a cleaning fee. And I'm like, well, you didn't clean yeah, it. Yeah, no. You know and um and, but i understand it was like it, it was like uh i didn't realize at the time that icp has to pay for the cleanup of the fago when they go to a venue and it's all pre-arranged you know i just thought like oh shit everywhere and it was funny and uh that i, I couldn't i couldn't get out of there. they wouldn't let me out of the building would let me out of the building and they had all my gear all the whole band's gear until someone gave them money you know and uh, so Actually, I went to Blaze. I went to Chris. I'm like, uh, will you help me out here? Uh, can you, uh, help, ma- help manage the situation? Cause he was like, at that time he was like t- tour managing for twisted as well. And yeah, it was a, twi- it was a twisted show. It was Isham twisted and Zog Island. That's what it was. And, um, so yeah, he handled it. He paid someone and then, you know, it came out of our ass later. So <laughs> no thanks. Thanks Chris for handling that. Cause I thought, uh, I was gonna wake up in the alley a week later, (laughs) and I was just like, "Screw you guys!" You know, I think I might have had a couple beers, you know, and I was like, "Fuck this place!" And and then, and then they surrounded me even more, and then uh, I'm like, "Let me go get somebody, (laughs) let me go get somebody with a checkbook." So sorry, Harpers, but at the same time clean the damn place, put some new carpet in. Yeah. Good
2: God. It was the one detail Jay left out when he said, you guys should start throwing that. Hey, he left out the, Oh, we also pay that <laughs> cleanup fee at the end. Yeah. And
1: I didn't think about it, you know, cause and, and uh, it was a whole year later. That, so that was a funny story. It ended up being funny. We all made up and the manager. worked cool. And so, yeah, we worked it out.
0: They should have used that hay to, like, uh, use for the stucco up in the corner. Were you, at, a, you right, at that oh, show I'm with me, Chris, sure where we really. looked over and, like, it, there was just chunks of it, like, fall? Like, I we're Falling like, let, yeah. let's do something with this place.
1: Put, um, yeah, like I say, that's a legendary place, too. Like I say, my dad used to go there, and then I played there. I played there a long time before that. Um, probably different bands. And um, so, yeah, to be, you know, play, you know, with was Esham, Zug, and Twisted playing there. It was just an awesome night, you know. I smashed a guitar, you know. Uh, I, I would go out and buy, like, a few, like, really cheap guitars. You know, I'd play it on the last song and then smash it and then take all these pieces and put them back together and make another guitar out of it and uh, smash it at another show. And, yeah, that night I smashed the guitar. And, uh, yeah, Alex was mad because the label bought us instruments. They bought me a couple guitars and stuff and Alex as soon as I walk up stage was like is that that guitar I bought you and I kind of told him yeah but I'm, I didn't tell him it was the cheap one it was like this $50 guitar you know wasn't the thousand dollar guitar you know so he was kind of mad I should have clarified that you know I thought about it later I'm like mm, maybe he thinks it's that one but uh, anyways, that
0: was a good time oh yeah uh so yeah we got anything else for one last G Chris I think we're good on that
2: no,
0: I think so. All right, so uh, we fast forward. There
1: was, there was a lot of different, a uh, lot of different cats on One Less G, right? Like, some, I guess I don't know the different producers here and there. Well, just Well, first of all, does Twisted even get credit? so for being producers on
0: that. the book is a little convoluted go figure but uh it says that you and twisted have all credits except for when they note and maybe about half the songs have either just you just them there's some fritz in them so it's a, a good healthy combination of, of the four of you
2: because we looked at the at the book and we went through it, it we took it as you were the the final stop on production, engineering, ma- you know, mastering. It seemed like Twisted maybe thought up some of the beats originally, worked with Fritz, had some started. I don't know. That, that was the confusing part when it came to the book because it seemed like Twisted always kind of was starting things and then working with you or Fritz at the time to finish them. Now, you know what? Usually, like, with
1: me, uh, my, uh, Twisted and me working on stuff, it would, like, we were like, sometimes we would create stuff together, and then, like, sometimes we would, uh, you know, we would, like, Like I would have one or someone had a beat and then we'd add some more to it. You know, like someone would have just like a drum beat and then we'd add all the music to it and everything. And then they would go in and, and uh, you know, sometimes they would like write a hook, you know, like uh, Blaze may have had an idea already and they would write the hook for it and lay down a bunch of parts. And then, like I say, uh, Blaze would come to town and do his parts. And uh, so um, that's that's how that's what I remember, you know.
0: That's it. Good times. Yeah. Good album. I'd say. uh,
1: Yeah. Really great album. It's good. It just, yeah, just so much creativity going on and and, uh, just fun throwing ideas back and forth. And yeah.
0: And then, uh, so we go backwards in our history, but a little forward in the real canon. And we go forward two years into July of 2003. And our season three dealt with Violent J's Wizard of the Hood which oh, yes. seems like it's kind of a, a you and him creation um, yeah yep. but at the same time all these other people oh, came in
1: like I was saying yeah. they was still coming in but him and I uh, worked on that and some of these really great records were really quick like that record maybe two or three weeks probably be less because it was only like 8-10 songs a lot of my dogs barking um, yeah it was like Christmas time of 2002 so the Wraith was already out and uh it was throughout the holidays we were making that record into early july and then when it come out at the gathering right correct it was always a great place to release a record yeah. um and yeah just another just brilliant record violin J's uh lyrics like i don't know anyone else that can write like a whole album that's one consistent story That just I, it's just brilliant you know and uh a lot of fun working on that one and uh yeah, I love that record.
0: Did you obviously, from our uh, gathering of it, heavily influenced by the movie The Whiz? Was, was that all you, or was that him, or like, did you know of the movie beforehand? Like, how did that all come to be? That was
1: Violent J. That was his thing. You know, like we'd be flying in samples from uh, that movie or the record or whatever. Yeah, that's that was his influence. Uh, yeah, I've heard. I knew that movie. Maybe seen parts of it when I was a kid, but uh, yeah, and uh, that was that was cool. Like that was a challenge matching up the, all those samples with the tracks, you know. But it was fun. It was awesome, right? Like these crazy like um, flute music and all this weird stuff going on, you know. So yeah, that was cool. Yeah, it was a sound
2: for sure. And you guys yeah. tailored it perfectly for the Juggalo realm. I thought. Yeah.
1: Um, another thing does not. I don't know if anyone noticed that. To notice this, but Joe Violent is like he wanted one thing, a beat to go throughout the entire record non stop and be pretty much close to the same tempo. Oh, if anyone has ever noticed that, and there's an 808 beat in between each song and it's going through every song, so that was a challenge for me musically to have to write songs like that sounded different temples but were that kept that same beat. So I was writing in some nerdy music stuff, but I was writing in, you know, three, four times, six, eight time, half time, you know, just to have a different feel for each song, but still keep that that, that thing going, you know. So and like no one's I don't think anyone's ever noticed that. So but I thought that was a really awesome element to that
0: record too.
2: So Yeah, we're not losing I mean, nerds. Yeah, we've discussed how that that's an album that it's just one song. Like and yeah. that's the reason we we don't know. We don't have the musical uh knack to know that is in there, but yeah your ear definitely is picking up on it because it flows cool. no matter how, what changes, you know, you got the blaze song that gets heavy rocking more, but it all still continually flows to that whole album. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It was, uh, I'm glad someone noticed. <laughs> it was, it was like, different. So, so that was a challenge to make all that happen. And it was cool. You know,
0: how, co- how comfortable were you with your role at this time? So, I mean, you've been with the label for, you know, two, three years. Are you just comfortable with, hey, I have ideas, let's do it this way? Or were, were you timid at all? Uh, how, just how comfortable were you at Psychopathic by this time?
1: Um, I don't know. I felt, you know, I felt a part of the team, part of the family, you know, at that time. Pretty early. Yeah. You know, by the time by the summer of two thousand one, you know, one thing I, I was not planning on sticking around that long. I was going to do some records, and then you know, I, I, you know, I didn't think I was going to last that long at Psychopathic Records. But after the first six months, I'm like, I'm never leaving. This is great. You know, uh, I felt a part of this family and this team. It's awesome. So yeah, by two, by the time we were making uh, Wizard of the Hood. I, you know, there was always like, you know, uh, pressure to, to perform, you know, and make a good record. But I wasn't like tripping. I was always just like, let's go to work. And It wasn't just like go to work, go do a job. But it was like, it was more excitement. Like, hell yeah, let's go do this. You know, and sometimes, you know, like uh, Violent J or someone else would, okay, I need beats for a record. Cool. I would just make beats for a couple of weeks. I'd have a CD of 10 tracks and like Violent J would say, I want these three and ABK would be like, I want these. And Blaze well, would be like, I want these, you know, and i just pass out CDs and people would pick the ones they want. And, and then other times it would be like they'd want something very specific, you know, um, uh, like like Wizard of the Hood to, had to be a very specific thing, mm-hmm. you know. But sometimes it was just like, just go make tracks, you know. And one thing, what, one thing very specific, uh, Violent J called me up and he was like, he said he he was on tour and he said he was being followed by Crows. Like everywhere he went all day, there was like a <laughs> Dr. Crows follow him. It kind of made it sound like it was true. I don't know. And uh, so I wrote this song, and I just thought it was, like, the perfect mood for the song. And it ended up great, but I thought it was going to be on The Wraith, a song about crows. And uh, and I'm ecstatic. It it ended up being Hated Me by ABK on his, uh, was it uh, Hatchet Warrior, which is awesome. It came out great, but I was just like, I thought that was a perfect crow (laughs) sounding track so yeah so sometimes that's an example where you know someone has something specific and then didn't even use it (laughs) like let's give it it was joe's decision to like let's put this on abk's record you know and then he wrote to it you
0: know so that's cool yeah Yeah, we always wonder that too just how long things stay in the can or do they hit the the floor and get brought back for something so stories like that are super interesting on on where something came from
1: I have about three or four tracks from back then that haven't been used. That's it. And then and then there was like I, I found like uh, right when uh, ICP performed or they did the uh, Christmas party in Nashville. I don't know. What was that, like five, six years ago? I managed to dig up because some things that computer systems have changed throughout the year, so they can't access all these old songs, the files. The computer files, the audio files. So I found a way to access like a bunch of the records. So I got to, I dug up a bunch and I gave them to them at that uh, Christmas show. And uh, one of them, it was a uh, Wizard of the Hood, Crack Tiles and The Wraith. <clears throat> so we had all access to all those files again, because someone after I was living in Nashville, went in the lowest spot and just started erasing hard drives. I'm like, this hard drive says the Wraith on it. I see the <laughs> like, oh, I just erased this. What? And there was some other stuff on there. Ah, oh, so pissed. So yeah, someone did that. I don't know who. So I had to like uh, figure out how to get these files off this whole other system. It was a really major ordeal. And there was a point to that. I think you asked the question, but I didn't forget what it was. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we forget, too. It's okay. We're,
2: we're known to go on tangents all the time ourselves, so no worries. We welcome it here. Um,
0: <laughs> and I know this fast-forwards 20-something years, but you've performed at various gatherings. Were you at the gathering that they did Wizard of the Hood live?
1: Yes, I was there. I, I performed that year, too, but I was there, and that was, that was one of the uh, uh, just great moments of my life, seeing that happen. You know, that was awesome. Yeah, And I think they should have taken that on the road, you know, and just done that tour. But things were changing at that time, you know, with some of the artists. And yeah, that was incredible. Did, did While well, there, did you see that?
0: Uh, we were not there. <laughs> we've watched that on the DVD, but yeah. It okay. seemed yeah it
2: was. When we uh, kick ourselves for not attending, because it felt right. like the cap to that whole era that we've, you know, kind of touched on here. That was like the most of the, the send off of it. It was. Yep. Yeah. <laughs>
1: that was the last time I seen, uh, those guys, you know, that inside of the camp, um, yeah, it was just incredible. I mean, they had a – I think they, they pulled a the entire car out on the stage, you know, and, like, all this. It was like a – it was like a theater, man. It was incredible. It was just like a picture of a record in your head. It was that. Yeah, And it was absolutely incredibly done. It wasn't just like some some, like, you know – skits in the back it was awesome
0: yeah touring that yeah, would have been perfect. difficult but it would have been a nice like 10 or 12 city you know once in a while yeah. kind of thing but they did it once I hope, and-
1: yeah I, I hope someday things change uh and people can uh bring it back together and they could do things like that together and more dark lotus shows and uh, that'd
0: be great yeah so but I don't know, you know yeah. Who knows? yeah we're, <laughs> we're not here to dwell on that kind of thing we try yeah, to yeah, stay yeah. positive but yeah no we're, yeah, we're yeah. with you uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's good. did you have anything else on Wizard of the Hood Chris
2: no those were like yeah we didn't have much to ask you about that because it was kind of straightforward as opposed to the other seasons that felt more convoluted with, Yeah. Um, trying to figure stuff out but yeah that was what we just wanted to bring up because we love that sound and uh, that album like I said it's just one song almost
0: yeah
1: yeah and then there were there were bonus tracks at the end of that, right? Like two or four of them, and they were in different versions of the record. Yeah, yeah those were those songs were cool too. Wow. Was it multiple myself and? Uh, um, uh, yeah, I can't remember. There were some really cool songs there. Uh,
0: Bloody bitch, dad was one. Yeah, um, that one was, I mean, people were
1: like, "Good God, that one was so hardcore!" Right? <laughs> Is it just me? Like that was a hardcore song. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah, right? it's weird because I didn't fit the rest of the album so even yeah your two different versions with your two sets of yeah. bonuses they didn't really oh my shine was on there right
1: yeah like kind of a rock thing yeah. that was that was different yeah i love that song yeah
0: so yeah, yeah they didn't really fit i mean they would have been interesting as a four you know somewhere else but you know it, it's all good
1: yeah. yeah just some bonus tracks that's what it yeah
0: is. That, that's yeah. why they're bonus right uh, so, yeah, I mean, those were our three of the four seasons that we've done so far. And uh, cool. you were definitely a huge part of all of them as you were, yeah. you know, a huge part of, of Psychopathic. And uh, I'm assuming in the future our different seasons will probably cross paths with you again if we do something like The Wraith or Crack Tiles. I mean, your, your fingerprint is on a lot of, of Psychopathic history. So.
1: Yeah, hundreds of songs. You know, that's kind. Of, it's just weird to think, but good God, that's a lot. You know? <laughs> so, I, yeah,
2: I don't know who, who holds the record for having the most songs. You know. I don't
0: know. Yeah, I mean, you got to be up there. That's that's quite a lot. Yeah,
2: the two mics. That's why the album's got to come out. Yeah. The two mics.
0: I know, right?
1: Mike Clark, call me, man. I'm gonna text him tonight, and uh, we should do. We gotta do a record. That'd be awesome, right? That'd be just like I think that'd just be awesome
2: in the Juggalo world.
0: Yeah, for sure. So,
2: yeah. We're here for. Him. We'll help push. We'll help push it over the edge.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think you. Sure you have a better uh, shot of talking to him than we do. So <laughs> that's on uh, you. Mm, uh, is it- no, we've DM? tried to, but we reached out to him for our most tasteless season. But I don't know if he got back to us, right, Chris?
2: Uh, I think we just sent him like a DM, but I don't. I don't think he's ever been on Twitter. I think that's where we messaged him. We don't have any direct contact currently. Yeah. All right. Yeah. yeah. I haven't seen him in a
1: few years, but uh, yeah. Hopefully I see my Facebook once in a while.
2: Yeah.
1: You
0: know, so we actually do have a connection, Chris, we could ask someone who works with them, but th- that's a whole
2: different story. Yeah. A different story
0: <laughs> for a different time. We we're not going <laughs> to dig into that. Um, yeah. so yeah, to tie
2: it all, you guys are back. You and Mike Clark are back in the circle now touching on stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've been, I've been working with them, you know, i had a few years off there, but I mean, it goes back to what, 2012, 2011, you know, I've been doing tracks for them, you know, and uh, and then Zog Island resigned for a little while and and all that stuff. So uh, yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. So I've been with them
0: since yeah 2000. So that's, that's a long run. It is. Yeah.
1: Good. It's been good.
0: So we're just wrapping up here, real quick. Uh, is there anything uh, you know coming up or that you're working on, psychopathic or not, that you kind of want to you know puff your chest out and let us know that you're proud about doing, or you know just what's going on? Hey.
1: Um, Joe's always calling me, uh, you know, Violent J every every couple of weeks. Like, I need this track for this or that. Cool. So I'm always uh, doing things. You know, I did that. Uh, I did a song for that latest release, the Three Headed Monster tour, and it was a remake song. But um, and I wrote other songs for that. And then I, I think Joe said he was going to use this one for something else and that one for this. So I don't know. You never know. I, you know, every record that comes up, I throw in a whole bunch, and then they end up on this record, on that one, that one, that one. So, uh, yeah, kind of all over the place, which is great because, uh, some of the stuff just, um, all of it just comes out awesome. And like, it needs to be heard, you know? So it'll be like a, you know, a giveaway at the gathering or the hollow wicked CD or something. So,
0: yeah, that's, it's interesting way that you put that. Like, yeah, if they just took 20 of your songs and put it on one album, then you're like confined to that time and space. But the way that you're sprinkled into everything, you're like, uh, your, your DNA is throughout the, the history, a yeah. little bit here yeah, and there. Yeah, a lot of different stuff, so. um, yeah. What about, uh, there was talk earlier in the year about uh, re-release of Zaga Island. Is that still in the works, or did that hit a, hit well, a roadblock?
1: Yeah, um yeah, I mean, that was, that's Joe's idea. He was like, uh, let's do our anniversary uh, release of it, which is, yeah, this year is the 20th anniversary. And you uh, talked about that and maybe even putting it on vinyl, stuff like that. And uh, so, yeah, I just forgot about it. I should <laughs> bring that up again, you know. And uh, a vinyl release would be cool. Yeah, I need that yeah. in my
2: collection, so let's get that vinyl. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, that'd be great to have on
1: vinyl, right? I had all this stuff on vinyl. Like, uh, I think I lost my Wraith vinyl is gone. I don't know where it is. I had that on vinyl, but they put that out. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That's, that's a little rarer one too. Cause I was only back, yeah. back in the original run. And you had to get in, you had to get in
1: the warehouse and, and beg for one, you know, <laughs> before it sold out. So I th- I think, I thought I had one, but I can't find it now. So, but uh, yeah, I have a bunch of other ones. So.
0: Well, I mean, I think that's it for us. If, unless Chris, you have anything? No. Yeah. Cool. Any, any parting words for you? Uh, peasy wheezy. Uh, man just uh, what up y'all and uh, thanks for having me
1: on here it's been fun hope it wasn't too long hope I didn't talk too much no
2: no we hope we didn't keep you too long we appreciate oh, you uh, doing. I'm having fun you know <laughs> and,
0: uh, yeah. this is all good we appreciate you we appreciate your time yeah. thank you there you have it thanks to Mike for joining us on this very special edition of the Juggalo Rewind hopefully we get him back soon if we talk about more albums that he had a part of spoiler alert there's a couple real good ones out there that we always talk about that we want to dedicate a season to. So hopefully we talk to Mike again in the near future. If you want to find Mike on social media, his Instagram handle is at Mike P. Zug. Because don't forget, he's a founding member of Zug Island. If you want to find us, you can find us on all social medias at Juggalo RWD. And don't forget, wherever you're listening or watching right now, please rate, review, subscribe, get those numbers up. Always have us in your pocket on Thursday mornings. And don't forget to share us with a friend. Tell someone about us. Let's drive those numbers through the roof. You can also call us or text us at 810-666-1570 or shoot us an email at juggalorwd at gmail.com. As you know, again, if you're a loyal listener, we've come to the end of our season, so we're trying to throw little bonus things at you. We may not be able to come to you every week. We may be a little sporadic here as we're tying up this season, but we have one or two things up our sleeves. So like I said, if you subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast, we'll find you when our next episode is ready. If you're listening to us as this drops, Astronomicon 6.5 is coming to Livonia, Michigan at the end of June. Come see us, we'll be at the 20x20 20 20 apparel table. Not sure if we're doing anything Juggalo related, but we'll be in attendance as usual. Also going forward, we'll be all over the city of Detroit for SummerSlam weekend in August. And I will venture out to the Boston area for Silver Scream in whatever month that is. I believe that's in September. Thank you for listening. As always, stay tuned for some more bonus episodes coming your way, dealing with the one last G in the hood. Thank you for listening to the Juggalo Rewind, part of the UPC Underground podcast community. We appreciate your patronage, and we will see you next time. All music played in this episode and in this entire season is owned by the respective publishers and copyright holders and is reproduced for review purposes only under fair use. So I died and I back in a blast in a mouth. This show is a member of the Underground Podcast Community, UPC. UPC.
2: This is easier than our usual setup when it comes to uh, grabbing the videos and dumping them in.
0: Well, then let's just start doing it like this all the time. Hey, I'm oh,
2: do oh no! I should put on pants. <laughs> oh no! You got
0: chocolate all over yourself. Good lord!
1: I got a half shirt on and I'm naked. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I always have chocolate on my face. Do so I right now? I always do. <laughs>
0: we'll we'll edit that and post. <laughs> <laughs> I walk around public all day with chocolate in my face. What a disaster.